Hey there, welcome to episode 21 of the Paula and Joe show. In case you're new here, here's a quick rundown of what you need to know. It's 24 minutes of raw business analysis and change talk, time boxed, unedited riffing. And when the countdown timer buzzer ends, we're done. I'm Joe Newbert, and alongside me is my BAFF Paula Bell. How's it, Paula? Please tell us what's up in this episode. It's going great, Joe. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing good, doing good. Well, this episode is all about when Robert Thacker won process modeling. That's what it's all about. We're going to talk just straight up about process modeling. But let's talk a little bit about who this Robert Thacker is, shall we? So Robert Thacker is a dear friend of mine. I met while I was working and we've been friends since. I don't even know how many years now, but he is a dear friend of mine. He is a Six Sigma black belt. I'm working on mine, Robert, just to let you know, I'm working on that this year with over 25 years of experience in business process management. And he firmly believes that process is at the center of everything we do from implementation to adoption, to marketing and enablement. Robert has helped customers capture, redesign, improve, and automate processes to gain greater efficiency and utilization while reducing costs and waste. He currently partners with top-tier customers to drive their successful implementation of solutions and best practices. Welcome, my friend, to the Paula and Joe Show. Hey, thank you guys for having me. That was great, Paul. What a, you know, what a wonderful introduction. I couldn't have done that better if I wrote it myself. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, no, it's good to have you with us, Robert. I really like, there, there was a little bit in there that really resonated me, which is that business process is at the center of everything. I, I can't wait to dig into that with you um, in this pod today. All right, looking forward to it. So why don't we just go ahead and jump right in then? So Robert, I'm going to take the first question. All righty. Why is process modeling so crucial to organizational success in your opinion? You know, process modeling provides organizations with a lot of different information. So first, I guess and foremost, it allows them to very quickly, because process models are visual, it allows them Mm -hmm. the ability to very quickly identify inefficiencies and reduce waste within their environment, right? Because once it's now on paper, now I can very quickly see, well, how is the work actually being done? Uh, How can I identify what bottlenecks exist here within the, in this, in this particular process? And therefore they can look for opportunities for improvement. And this opportunity for improvement leads to increased productivity. It'll leads to increased quality of product. It leads to reduced cost. In a lot of cases, it also leads to better customer satisfaction as well. But another outcome, I guess, of process modeling is collaboration and communication. It allows us as an organization to communicate more effectively, both internally and externally, because it provides a nice common language that we all share, right? We we get something that's visual, it's documented for us, we're able to see it. I know what this means when I see it, and now I know how the work should be done. And it also allows for me to provide some feedback into the process if I see that something is not working quite the way that we think that it should or because i'm out here in the production world and i operate in real in real life scenarios right how does this process really work and i can provide some feedback so it also enables better decision making and faster onboarding if i'm bringing somebody on somebody new 
what better way to provide them with training than to be able to say, all right, well, here are the processes that you need to be able to understand and how you're going to perform them. And it's literally walking them through what they need to do, you know, what they need in order to do their job. Because any other time, it's just me showing you what I do. And hopefully you remembered that when I walk away. And then they sit with you and you show them something a little bit different of how to do the exact same process, right? But so there's a little bit of nuance with how everybody sort of operates. But when it gets documented like this, now we've got a nice consistent way of providing training and onboarding employees as well. So there's a lot of different benefits really when we get down to just how organizations can use process models. So, you know, you bring up the many different benefits of it from decision-making, collaboration, communication, all of that good stuff. But how do you get organizations to buy into the importance of documenting their processes or, or to, to help people articulate the value and the benefits that process modeling will bring to an organization who might be resistant? Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question because at the end of the day, process modeling, well, depending upon who you are, right? Process modeling mm -hmm. in and of itself, sitting down and creating documentation, it's not sexy, right? I mean, nobody really wants to take the time to do it. Everybody wants something that's sort of instant and out of the box. Well, can't you just render a diagram for me? And in some cases you can, and there's technologies that can allow for that, but it does take time. And that's, that's really where a lot of organizations sort of struggle. They're looking for instant gratification. And that's just sort of a little bit of because of the technology and the things that we have at our fingertips today. Everybody's used to clicking a button and you've got your order probably that afternoon, right? So, you know, the same thing works with regards to processes. We're looking for ways that we can capture this information, but have it instantly. So the big thing for organizations is understanding that when they start this path down uh, capturing their process models and doing process modeling, that it really is a part of their digital transformation journey, which isn't something that you do in a single step, right? It's a part of a journey. It's something that's going to take time. It's, it's, it's a series of activities and functions that are going to need to be done. So if you can incorporate it into your digital transformation journey, then it really does make more sense to you. And or executives can really sort of latch onto that because they're they're already implementing those things. They're already looking at technologies that are going to help them to transform their organization, you know, into more of a digital organization and help them to improve customer, you know, satisfaction and customer engagement and improve numbers and, and efficiencies and documentation and process modeling just lends itself naturally you know, to that. I think when when COVID hit, you know, mm. you know that that really opened the eyes of a lot of different organizations, right? They'd been operating the same way for years. And now all of a sudden they couldn't operate that way anymore. But those that had taken the opportunity to document their processes before understood what those touch points were and how they interacted with customers. And it allowed them the ability to make the shift a whole lot easier than those that did not. But those that had not now suddenly found themselves, oh, we have to do something about this. And so they really started looking at, well, how can we improve our processes? What, how can we digitally transform our organization? And understanding their process was at the core of that. So now I think that, you know, lumping it into your digital transformation journey, will really make it much more feasible uh, for organizations to be able to just digest. Yeah, that, that's, 
It's so interesting, and it is, as you said, there's so much opportunity. It's at, it's at the core of what we do. I want to sort of pull back a little bit. You talked about, um, you know, getting stuck in shared understanding. Um, mm-hmm. Often we use a lot of words interchangeably, and, and I find yep. this in our profession ac- across the board with a number of different sort of um, definitions. But in the process space, I hear process mining, process mapping, process modeling, mm-hmm. Are these right. synonyms for each other? Are they different things? Does it even matter? Yeah. Well, th- they are actually different things, but they're all complementary of one another. And I like to think of them more or less along the lines of sort of build one building on the on the on the last. So we think about uh, we'll just kind of start at the end because I think you said you know sort of process mapping you know kind of fell into that category and a map. It really is this nice visual representation of our process, you know, it shows how the flow of activities moves, what maybe are the inputs or the outputs of a particular process. So it is a nice way to document and communicate our process. But in a lot of cases, process maps are very static, right? They're, they're not dynamic. They don't grow. You know, you, you've documented them. They're here on the piece of paper and 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 they're 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 flat so and i usually compare these literally we talk about process maps to like literal maps if you went to the store and you bought a map for how to get from point a to point b right i mean you can look and you can chart out your path and you can see sort of the the sequence of routes and things that you're going to need to take but if things change the map isn't going to reflect that um if you were driving halfway through and decided that you were hungry and you wanted to go to a restaurant well, you don't understand what are the various touch points along the way. Uh, you have an idea of about how long it will take just because you understand the distance, but you really don't have any KPIs tied to that that are truly sort of tying out. Well, this is how far you are. This is how far you've come. This is how far you've got to go. That, that type of information isn't going to be involved in a map. But a process model, on the other hand, will have that type of information because now we're starting to get more into descriptions of processes. We're starting to standardize some of the notation. We're starting to look at it at a higher level uh, than just sort of the process end to end, but understanding its relationships. What technologies involved? What applications am I using? Not only what are the inputs and outputs, but how am I measuring it? What are the KPIs that happen to be involved in this? How do I even know if this process is successful? All right, so what are the risks that could occur while I'm while I'm driving? You know, sometimes you're driving a GPS, it pops up and says, hey, traffic alert ahead, you know, they're going to slow down, right? So there's a risk. A process model provides you with that type of information, but as it relates to your process mo- diagram itself, to your model. Mining, on the other hand, builds on this, right? So, but now process modeling is, while it, it does have my diagram, and this is the way I think I should work, Process mining now tells me how I actually work, right? Because now it's actually using log files that it's pulling from system information and saying, well, this is how long it took you to perform that activity. I know you said that it takes you 10 minutes, but in reality, it seemed to take you this long to to perform that. I know you thought you went from A to B, but in reality, you went from A to C, and then you came back to B before you went to F, right? So being able to show you how your process really works. And process mining, again, digging into the log files really helps us to analyze that data and, and then look for insights and in how we might you know, improve our process. And in some cases, it shows us a lot of variation in our process that we didn't know existed, right? Because a lot of process maps and, and models and stuff, we think of them as sort of very sort of linear, you know, in their in their direction. But uh, mining gives us the ability to see all the little variations. And sometimes we see something come from way outside of our process 
we're like, where did that even come from? You know, how, who is that person? Why are they involved in the process? We didn't even know they did that. So it allows us to, you know, identify those players as well. And going to what I was mentioning earlier, where in some cases, a lot of organizations are looking for and saying, well, hey, can't you just generate a diagram for me? Uh, a lot of folks look to process mining to do some of that for them because there's a lot of tools today that will provide you with a process output. And so even though you've got a nice log file and it shows you how things are connected, you can click a button and here's your process map that you now have that you can work from. But I would caution folks with regards to that because, again, that's what the log file sees. It's not necessarily how your process maybe should work, right? It's just sort of saying this is what you're doing. Don't take that for what you should be doing. Okay, so so I, I just want to try and recap to make sure it sort of uh, gets stuck in this head of mine. What we're saying is a process map is actually quite simplistic, quite high level. It's almost like yep. that sort of, you know, broad directions of, of getting somewhere. As we get down to modeling, um, that's sort of where we get a, just to understand a bit more of the dynamics that are happening and really start to sort of specify all of the the edges and the bells and whistles around this thing. And then mining is almost like putting dye in water to see where the dye actually flows and comes out and checking that actually it's, it's going the right way. That, that's, that's, that's a great that's, way to put Yeah, no, no, that's helped. Okay, thank you. Um, just jumping on one other thing that you, you, you said in there, you, you brought up, um, well, you used the word KPIs, CSFs, critical success factors, KPIs, targets right. and things. Are, are, right. are they going to be sort of tied into that model level detail then to sort of start to define to what standard, to what level that the process needs to perform? Right. Yeah. So process models are going to have what those targets are, right? That's going to have our information. This is how the process, these are our targets. These are our variations. These are our variables. These are our highs and lows within here that we're trying, that we're actually trying to aim for. This is the acceptable level. Anything below this is, is not, or anything above this, you know, is not acceptable. You know, we've got overutilization or we've got under productivity, whatever the case happens to be. So we've got a target that's within there. So process modeling is going to tie those KPIs to our individual process and sometimes even at the activity level so that we know exactly where the KPI is being being captured at. But process mining also helps us because it's it's using log files. So we're able to look at information, not just set sort of thresholds and say this is what this is what we're aiming for, but now by running process model mining and looking at the log files now i can see well what is my actual threshold you know within here and get that information out the tie act to the kpi so we know whether or not the process is performing the way that it should okay thank you well robert as you continue to talk about process mapping and modeling and mining i want to mm -hmm. shift focus to just the modeling aspect of processes and okay. what approaches do you use to model processes, especially when you're decomposing the different levels. And I know you and I have talked about this whole level thing in the past and, and how right. to get to that, but there is a focus on, on that. What approaches or advice would you give to individuals who are modeling processes? Well, there's there's obviously multiple ways, several different approaches to you know, sort of deconstructing. I usually think about them in, in sort of three different tiers. There's sort of top down, there's bottom up, and sort of middle out, I, I guess you might say, uh, with regards to sort of decomposing a process. And when I think about top down, this really does sort of start at a very high level, right, of what my process 
how it needs to work. And so it's not capturing all the details. It's just sort of thinking about, you know, end to end. And if I'm thinking about generally within a sales process, I tend to think about this, uh, this sort of top down approach as sort of my level one, you know, diagram if we're thinking in, in those types of contexts where I'm trying to explain this maybe to, you know, an executive or a senior manager, right? They don't need to understand all the details, but this is sort of my top down. And now as I start to look at the, at this top down, I can start to break them down into smaller components and I can identify, well, where does it seem, you know, where do the issues seem to be occurring? Where do the bottlenecks seem to be occurring? And then deconstruct the ones or dig down into the lower levels for the ones that are having problems first, right? And then go back and if necessary, look into the others. Uh, the other side of that's more of a bottom up approach, right? So you go to the other extreme with this. And now instead of sort of thinking about end to end, you know, I've got, you know, these five general steps, functions that need to happen within a particular process. Now I'm actually focused on all the individual activities that need to happen in order for this process to exist. And so I focus on the at the activity level and all right, well, now we're going to take and group these activities together. And yeah, well, they, they make sense. They're kind of bundled together. That happens and that becomes a process. So, yeah, I perform these five steps in order for that process to be performed. And that, that's useful when I sort of need to understand the details of how I work. Um, it could, might be along the lines of thinking about where I've got general analysts or associates or technicians that are out they're not necessarily focused on the on the end to end the high level they're focused on their task and what they need to do and so taking kind of a bottom-up approach with them to understand what are those functions what are those activities that they need to do but in a lot of organizations i tend to focus more on a middle out approach right so um but middle out involves sort of starting not necessarily at the highest level of things but not necessarily bogging ourselves down in the details either kind of starting at you know maybe more of a level two you know type or a level three type diagram where now i'm just kind of focused maybe on my finance processes i'm not focused on everything else i'm i'm just focused on my accounting processes i'm or i'm just focused on my my hr aspect of things and maybe i'm just focused on onboarding someone right so we're going to if we think about uh, HR processes, for example, all right. So, yeah, what are the what are the different processes that are associated with that? What are the activities that are associated with that? And that can be especially useful when I need to find that balance, right? Somewhere between high and low. Uh, and my audience could be both sides of the spectrum, right? So I kind of focus there in the middle, and and that allows us to now go up a level and see exactly how HR connects to the rest of the organization, but also provide everyone within HR all the details that they need in order to actually perform their jobs. So I guess, like I said, there's three different tiers. I tend to focus on the middle out, but it really does depend on your organization. And more specifically, as with anything, when you're doing diagramming and what I tell everybody that I work with, who's your audience, right? Who's going to be consuming the information? Because that's really what's going to define, you know, which approach we're using. It's, it's, it's a nice approach. It, it's it's uh, similar to Paul Harmon's, isn't it, where you've sort of got the enterprise, the organisation at the top with the value chain. You get down mm -hmm. into those processes and then at the bottom you've got all that task procedure stuff. Right. Um, and I think maybe another thing that shapes it as well is, is what's, what outcome are you going for? Is this a strategic project? Right. Is it a process improvement project? Right. Are we just doing it for the fun of documentation, you know, because there isn't any... Um, I want to talk about that little bottom, uh, the, the bottom up a bit. One, one, one of the things for me is um, when we go talk to people, you know, we ask them and we observe because we've got the goal of, of documenting, modeling this process. 
you don't always know if you're seeing the process or if they're like, is this what they normally do? Are they putting on a little bit right. of a show because the fancy BA has come to see them? Are they doing it this way? Because it's five o'clock on a Friday afternoon. They're just dying to get home, you know, and get it right. over and done with. So how do you, you know, if you go ask someone and they give you a, a process and you document that sort of, how can you tell if that is actually what happens or not, or is what's supposed to happen? Well, well yeah, that, and that, that's a great question, right? So because, you know, in a lot of cases, like when you are doing, you know, basically time studies, you know, with regards to a process, depending upon what they're trying to do, um, you know, if they're trying to prove that they did something really, really quickly, they, you know, they hire the Usain Bolt of their of their group, right? And that's who they get you to sit with, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna blast through this and everything works, you know, just the way that it is. But if their goal is to make you, you know, think that, well, you know, if we show them that they're going that fast, then they're gonna expect that every time, then they set you with, you know, the, the opposite end of that, right? They they set you with the you know, the person that kind of drags along. So finding that that approach I, I find that you can't base it on one study, right? Sitting down with someone or going over and chatting with them one time will not provide you with the data that you need, right? It's something that does take time to actually accumulate. And you have to sit with more than one person because otherwise you're going to be getting very biased data, you know, as well, because they're going to do things the way they think they should be done, or they're going to feed their opinions into you, you know, the way they think they should be done anyway. Uh, and, and that, you only end up with really one data point rather than multiple data points. And, and again, this kind of comes back to, we were talking about, uh, I mentioned process mining a little bit uh, earlier, but you get process mining and task mining. These are things that can generally run within an organization and capture time study information for us that the, the end user themselves may or may not even be aware it is being captured, right? And so that, that allows us to have multiple data points. It allows us to see information coming from a variety of different sources. It allows us to look at each individual transaction that went through. And if we're trying to look for efficiencies you know, within here, and we notice that, well, this one group is really, really efficient at it, and this other group seems to be really, really slow at it, or this individual is really fast, or this individual is really slow, we can track all of that back, right? Well, who was actually performing it? Who did that particular work? What was that task? And were they really fast because they left things out? And was this was this one a little bit slower because they actually did the process as we've got it documented? So it provides us with more data points and it provides us with more you know, legitimate data than just kind of going over and saying, OK, go. Right. All right tell me what you do and, and trying to and about how long does that take? Because if I ask you how long something takes, I will almost inevitably get a two word response. It depends. Right. And then I'm going to get all the different variables that, uh, yeah. that could come that, that might drive that. And, and now we're not really getting into, into good data points anyway. So, yeah, technology is there that will allow us the ability to, to get more of that information, more detailed information, more, more tangible and usable information than just going and sitting with folks. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't go sit with folks because they will have great opinions and thoughts about the process in and of itself. They're going to be able to tell you what works, what doesn't work. And as you kind of go through it, there's things that we, we think we know what's being done when we look at it on paper, or we think we know what's being done when we look at it in a log file. But when you go sit with someone, now you see everything that's actually involved in performing that particular task. And you're like, wow, that is way more complicated than what we were led to believe. So there, there is certainly valuable you know, insights to be gained by, by going and sitting with folks. 
and asking questions and doing interviews, but don't let it be your only data point. That's, that's really where I'm getting at. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, you, you know, you're spot on, you know, you see one person do it once. It's not representative, is it? So, yep. yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of truth to that. In addition to Joe's question around observation, there's also a lot of different notations that are mm -hmm. available when we're documenting processes. You've got BPMN, you've got UML, you've got Swimline, you've got your swim lane, the traditional workflow. So what are some of the pros and cons of each of these that you see and which do you lean towards using more and why? Um, well, there, like you said, there's a lot of different ways that we can document stuff. You know, traditional workflows, they're, they're great for, you know, like I said, just sort of very nice sort of linear processes, being able to understand, hey, we go from A to B to C and being able to understand and communicate that out. It's also good if I'm just kind of starting out with, with process modeling, right? Because there's, there's not a lot of rules to it, right? There's, I can pretty much do what I need to do in order to be able to convey the information. I, the challenge then becomes, I just need to make sure that everybody else is on board with that particular that particular component and and but bpmn is typically where i lean because there are rules right and it does allow for you know not just the collection of the information and the sequence of flows but it also provides rules for what things mean so i don't get a diagram that just simply has well here's a box and now it's connected to a unicorn which is connected to a rainbow right so yeah I, all the shapes mean something and i know what the ends out are what the outs are and i know how they're how they're supposed to sequence in between so i tend to lend Learn, uh, lean more towards BPMN simply because of the rules that are there. Yeah, um, it is. It's, it's, it's a very rich um, notation, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of language in there, and you do. It's like learning a foreign language. Whereas um, UML um, activity diagrams and swim lane diagrams, there's there's about four or five different things, you know, icons that that you can use. Um, and, and again, I think it's back to the point. It depends on what you're trying to do here. You know, if it's a big yeah. process improvement, you know, program, then yes, BPMN um, is the way. If you, as you say, if it's a bit more like ABC, and maybe if you're building some software afterwards, because UML extends into the sort of yeah. requirements engineering yeah. phase, I, th I think it's great. But um, thank you. I don't know if you heard in there. We did have a little bell that went I heard off. the bell. Yeah, it's a cool time. So sorry, we have to cut you. I feel very bad for doing that each time. But we do appreciate you coming on. A uh, number of things in there. Also, as always, a number of things I just wish we'd had the time to talk about. I don't feel like we talked about um, my comment at the beginning about being centered to everything, but it covers flows, it covers rules, it covers roles, it covers data, it covers decisions. Like there's so much if when you know how to sort of model and read a diagram so much can be um gathered from it but uh yeah thank you paula yeah, what did you think i well i always love talking about business process that is one of i love doing business process mapping modeling all of it that's one of my favorite skill sets tools techniques that i love to teach it i love to do it I always love talking to you about it, Robert. We've had very spirited conversations on different things that organizations want, want to do. We've had debates on the different levels and what do they mean and what should you use and how should you use it and if risk should be running your programs and all sorts of stuff. So I, I love this topic. I could talk about this topic for days, but I, I love the fact of the benefits that you demonstrated and you let everyone know of the importance of process process mapping, process modeling,
even if you don't like it, there's benefits to it. So I love yep. the fact that you identified those and articulated them and why it's crucial. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate it. I think there's the uh, the quote from Dr. Deming that uh, says, if you can't explain your business as a process, you don't know your business. So yeah. that's how crucial it is to your to your actual business. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's very wise. Wise words to end the show with. Well, not quite end. Should we do some socials, shall we, Robert? Do you want to yes. please share with our audience where they can find you, how they can get hold of you to carry on this conversation? Uh, sure, by all means. You know, you can uh, you can follow me on uh, on link that side on yeah. on LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, you know, up here, here you can follow me on on Twitter. I'm constantly uh, blogging and talking about uh, process management, digital transformation, artificial intelligence, machine learning, process mapping, and modeling. Um, and and then of course, like I said, I write blogs as well. Both write them for both SAP as well as I have my own channel there on Medium. So by all means, click follow, like do the things fantastic thank you very um much robert and thank you for tuning in we do appreciate your support you can subscribe to the paula and joe show on your pod player of choice be it itunes amazon music spotify youtube and more and if you enjoyed the show then please do help to pass the pod by leaving a five star rating and perhaps a review with some kind words as well you can follow at 168 fm on linkedin twitter facebook and instagram but of course the best place is over on the website to leave comments it's 168.fm that's the words 168 not the numbers we'd love to hear your take on modeling business processes robert paula and i will join you there until then, take care and keep growing.